For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. I'm your host, Dustin Baker. Brian McKinney is off this week. He really takes a week off from this program, but he's doing so this week. And so we have a couple guys from 10K Takes. They're joining us, Adam and the guy that does all the Kirk Cousins stuff, Jake. Jake, he's joining us and Sally's off too. So we have Ron, myself, and the 10K dudes, plus Katie from Billings, who's becoming one of our regular favorite guests or one of our favorite regular guests. Uh, we have a new general manager in the house of the Minnesota Vikings. That is Kwesi Adafo Mensa. We're going to talk about him and how he, the tentacles of his hire go throughout the Vikings' future and organization. But first, per usual, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond for all sports betting online bet online remains number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 new year new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up uh, that's where you can sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use this promo code b-l-e-a-v believe b-l-e-a-v is the promo to- promo code that'll get you started from football basketball hockey boxing to ufc right on down to your Vegas, favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Alas, after two weeks and a couple days, the Vikings have a new general manager. They moved on from the Rick Spielman era, which lasted 16 years. And so this is an era of momentous change, whether you like it or not. We're in the thick of it. They hired Quasi Adafo Minsaw today, who has a backbone with the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. And right before we got on air here, he had a quote, I believe, or a statement that released that says, I'm very thankful to the Will family and the Vikings organization for giving me the opportunity to lead our football operations and join this respected franchise. There is so much to appreciate about this organization, an existing nucleus of talent on the roster, top-notch facilities, passionate fans, and smart people throughout the building who are committed to winning. I look forward to partnering with our next head coach and our entire football operations staff to begin our work of bringing a Super Bowl to the Vikings fans. He should have said finally, but he didn't say finally. So, uh, Adam, I've been on your show a couple of times and I was on Jake's show about a year ago. And I'll start with you guys. So give me a reaction to that quote and your reaction in general to hiring a young analytics guy. Just as someone like, you know, being in the younger tier of, I guess, Viking fandom, especially like on Vikings Twitter, um, more my lifetime is known of 
hard-nosed football guys, whether that's a Mike Tice, even Denny Green. You know, analytics is a new wave. Um, it's obviously taken the NFL by storm when you see it. Pro analytics guys all over the place. Brandon Staley being the the latest of the pro analytics, with the fourth down, and I'm all for it. I'm you know I, I as we clearly know it didn't work with Zimmer and Spielman and some long historyed you know whether it's football in their blood with its Spielman with his brother or it's Zimmer how long he's been a part of the NFL. I'm all for this new type of thinking in the building because we're retaining some of that, that we had, you know, Rob Brzezinski's still there, you know, where we're having some of these guys in the, in the front office that are staying. So, so to speak at the moment. And I, I, I like that we have a guy that you look at all the pros, what you see is collaborator communicator. I mean, very, very bright. Um, everyone is saying it's a great hire. And so I'm, I'm not saying it's, you know, who knows we could find out if it works or not. We really won't know a few years down the road until some draft picks start playing out. And it's, I'm all for it. I'm optimistic. I it's fresh eyes, fresh mindset, which we desperately need. Jake, we Zimmer arguably is the closest thing to Bill Parcells. You could find debatably with Belichick Belichick's there probably in terms of personality. We're done with that era and we're going into some type of sports analytics era with a young man. What do you think about it? I am super stoked about this. Honestly, when they first brought, when I was hearing like general candidates that who, who are they, who's in the running for the GM position for the Vikings. And someone brought up this question, Adolfo Mensa guy, Adolfo Mensa. And I briefly heard of him, but I'm like, I, I don't know much about him. And someone told me he went to Princeton and he's uh, and he, you know, he has a master in economics and all this stuff. I'm like, ah, uh, sign me up. Uh, this guy sounds interesting. Um, because we've had that, like, like Adam was saying, like we've had this old school approach to everything for so many years, even beyond Zimmer. And we haven't won a damn Super Bowl. I know we've been close, but we're one of the winningest franchises in the NFL history. And we haven't won a damn Super Bowl. And it's so frustrating. So it's about time we take a fresh approach to this. Now, I mean, it could backfire. I mean, I mean, this is Minnesota sports here we're talking about still. But I do like kind of like the bringing in the money ball approach to things. I just hope there's a little bit of balance, though. We're not going hardcore all analytics, because we've seen how that's worked out with Rocco Baldelli and Val- Valvi and Levine and the Twins right now. Oh, we're going to pull this pitcher out in the after three and a half innings because the analytics show he's not going to pitch well. I hope they like we we got to take we we can only play Delvin Cook one and a half quarters a game because that's how we're going to win. Like that kind of crap. I I know that that's a little extreme, but I do like the fresh approach to it. It's, it's, it's much needed. We need to try something new because we haven't done anything really. We haven't got to the motherland in year. We haven't ever got to the motherland. We, we are making an NFC championship game. Maybe, maybe once every 10 years. I like the approach. I like that. He seems I've, I've listened to him speak. He's very articulate. He seems very smart. He has a different approach to the, I think to the team and the way, way we got to think about things and the way we go to the draft and, I, I'm just I'm excited for the for this new approach. It's it's hard to say how it will turn out because it's so new, but I'm excited because it's it's something fresh and and new, something we haven't seen here before. It, it is the the way you described it reminded me of having a capitalism system with socialism safety nets. Uh, in terms of you know, of course we want football heads there because that's what we're here for. But then this new pizzazz of analytics is something that I, the Spielman people actually embraced, but I don't know if they were effectuated by the hard-nosed Parcelsian types. Uh, Katie, you were in the mix for head coach, might still be. I don't know if you tossed your hat in for general manager. Uh, What's your pulse on Kwesi? 
I'm super excited about it. I mean, I don't want to brag, but this was my guy. I've been following his career for like eight or nine full days now. <laughs> you, had, you had me there. I was like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> no, when, when the list first came out on who the interest was, I kind of dived in and he stood out above the rest because, you know, aside from just the analytics piece, everybody described him as smart and a good collaborator and was uh, very good at building relationships. And all of that just fit with, I think everything the team needs. And I also, I'd read something about how he was kind of an aggressive risk taker. And I like that in accompaniment with the, the analytical portion. I think it's exciting and we're in for something new. Um, I'm waiting on bated breath for the call, of course, for head coach interview. Um, <laughs> we'll At least clock management gal. You said you could do clock <laughs> management gal I could too. be the Twitter coach. If we still need it for our defense, <laughs> I'm there. Um, but yeah, I think it's... It, I'm excited to see who we pair with on head coach and how that works out. And we should know that I would guess within a week to a week and a half, um, because we already have our bastion of dudes that evidently the ownership wants. And I think they have to get some sort of sign off from Quazy, rightfully so, because they're building a culture and the ownership, the culture starts with the ownership. And that's one thing that's I've marveled at since arriving at Viking social media a little over two years ago is that next to maybe Harrison Smith, and perhaps Adam Thielen, like the Wilfs are universally loved. Like, I, I don't have to argue about the Wilfs ever. And for, for me, I'm like, whoa, boy, that's, 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 that's telling. Um, I uh, have written a couple times about how I wanted Ryan Poles. And it's not because I was anti-Quazy. It was because uh, Poles was an offensive lineman for Matt Ryan at Boston College. Didn't quite make it into a pro football game. But we saw verifiably that he turned around the Chiefs offensive line like in a matter of weeks. He said, we're not going to do that bullshit again and lose a Super Bowl because we couldn't pass protect the quarterback. Well, a lot of people on this show have been saying that for about a decade. So I thought that both polls was the pathway to fix an offensive line. Now, Quazy probably can still do that, but it's more of a wait and see. Ron, I know you've got opinions. Let's hear them, my man. Well, I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I know both Adam and Jake touched on it with uh, that the new blood breathing that in, um, and you know, kind of pit, uh, piggyback offing Jake's take with the twins. What I like about it on the analytics side, it seems with baseball, it's very straightforward. You know, like again, because there's the games way of doing things and then the analytics way. Where I think with football, the analytics way is essentially just boils down to giving yourself the best chance to win. And by proving that mathematically, whether that's, you know, going for two, if you're down by two scores, you know, to make it a six point game or an eight point game versus seven, that type of thing where you give yourself the best chances to win in regulation. So um, it doesn't make me too nervous. Like I don't, think he's going to go fully bill, full Billy Bean mode and like we're going to spend as little as we can get Scott Hatterberg <laughs> and these guys to fill out the roster. I don't think it's going to get that far. Um, but I like the approach of clearly he's a smart guy, you know, the, the Princeton, the economics degree, the master's degree, like, and then working his way up. I know I read, read the story about his uh, chance encounter with uh, the then Eagles, um, whoever the guy was, where that's who brought him to Cleveland, I believe. So um, the fact that he's a, a well-educated man, um, you know, younger, like he's fortunately, he's a little older than me. So I don't, uh, <laughs> don't have to look at it like oh, this kid is making these decisions, but uh, um, obviously he's proven his weight. He's, there's nothing but glowing reviews about him as a person. Um, but again, you know, Katie, to your point, like everyone acts like, oh, they wanted this guy or that guy, but no one knew who any of these people were and 
until two weeks ago. So, um, but what I've heard in the last two weeks, I'm liking what I'm hearing about it. So I like the Wills approach in that regard. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to kind of see where that leads going forward. Um, and then Dustin, you touched on the offensive line piece. The Browns have one of the best yeah. offensive lines in football. Um, and, uh, and even going back to his time with the Niners, they, had one of the best offensive lines in football at the time too. So I like that track record as well. So um, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, one of the things I I read um, either yesterday or today about him and at least his organization and their strategy last year was in the draft, best player available, best player available, best player available, get a a high impact um, um, free agent, whether that was Conklin um, to play right tackle one year and then Johnson to play safety last year, but then fill in the rest with value plays. Um, I love that approach. And if that's where the analytics side is getting where, Hey, we have one glaring weakness. We're going to go and find that in free agency to fill that. And then we're going to do our due diligence um, to fill out the rest of the roster. But then we're not going to reach on someone because we need a cornerback. We're going to, you know what, if the best player available is a wide receiver, go ahead, take them. You know, like that's the reason why we have Justin Jefferson on our team because was wide receiver an absolute need? Probably not like at the, at the top of the list, but dude's one of the best wide receivers in football right now. So um, as long as we continue that approach, um, but most importantly, it's again, I was a Zimmer guy and, and Spielman guy and Dustin, I know you were too, but mm-hmm. Absolutely. it's, it, it's a move that the owners made that kind of goes against everything that. Um, they've known as ownership. Um, like they, they obviously had all the trust in Spielman to be their eyes and ears here. So for them to even make a decision on someone, they have to believe it. And you don't mm-hmm. become as rich as they do without being smart, savvy business owners. So I like the fact that they identified a guy and now we'll hope that we, uh, can get a coach in here. That's, uh, um, that fits the mold as well. And I am the more I'm hearing in the last days with polls going to Chicago and who his top candidates are. Um, that makes me glad that we, that we <laughs> yeah. didn't, uh, go for him, nothing against Dan Quinn and, um, and Jim Caldwell. But if we're going to do retreads, I'd like to go with, you know, like I said, last week, uh, Raheem Morris or someone along that line. So, uh, but right now I'm, uh, I'm all in for D'Amico Ryans and hopefully he can lure uh, his offensive coordinator from, <laughs> from San Francisco, that, uh, that quirky guy over there, but uh, um, we'll see what happens. So hopefully by next week, you know, they announce news on Wednesday morning and we can have another fun dis- discussion um, on it. On yeah, our maybe show. We can time that up um, <laughs> so that we get the coach news too. the, on, on the aspect of the Wilson leadership, this is what leadership is. This is what smart businesses is changing. It's adapting. It's not being a curmudgeon or stubborn or sticking to while well, we're doing a football guy who does defense because that's what we've done before. And that's how we won in the seventies. I think they tried that approach and I, I I'm still high on the Zimmer hire for 2014. Uh, it, it kept us, it got us relevant and kept us there for eight years. Uh, but now it's time to go over the top, but this is like a textbook example on like bold decision-making, taking chances, doing something different and advancing with the times. So that's why I, I fully support the move. But the next topic isn't quite as there won't be quite as much agreement. Maybe from this panel there will be, but the 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 day one type of decision has to be made on the quarterback and that's Kirk Cousins. And I've heard over the last week that people are so sick and tired of talking about Kirk Cousins on social media. Well, if you exist in a platform called Vikings Twitter, they're going to talk about the quarterback who's going to be traded or who's going to be extended. It's tough shit if you don't like it. That's the way it goes on a spot called Vikings Twitter. So we have to bring it up on the show because that will be Quazy's Biggest decision, maybe of his tenure, at least out of the gate. Uh, I have one of the takes that I have, and I don't know if it's popular or out there yet. I don't think it's out there. Is that 
Although I think it's a true coin flip. I really think it's 50-50. If Spielman would have stayed, I would have said it's about 75 the Cousins stayed. But now I think it's in the middle. But the the other the, the heads or the tails in the coin that says that Kirk would stay was most of the, the criticisms of Kirk are based on somebody's eye test. Like he doesn't bootstrap levitate the team to the postseason based on what my eyes tell me. But if you dig into the numbers, the analytics, that's when the good part of Cousins comes out. And so if indeed Quasi is going to look at the analytics and say, how can I win? You might have the guy in the building in Cousins if you want to extend him for an extra year or two on what he already is. So I think the analytics might support keeping Kirk because that is the argument that bolsters his his performance is the numbers. So, Jake, why is that wrong or why is that right? Well, that's 120% right. I am I am fully on board with bringing back Kirk. I, Isn't that is that because you have a history with surprise. him? <laughs> nah, I don't I don't think so at all. I don't think that has anything to do well, with you, it whatsoever. You look like backed him. up to this. Yeah, you are yeah. Kirk Cousins. Well, <laughs> well, apparently, I apparently am. Alleged, I might be. I might be the real Kirk Cousins, and that's why I'm so adamant for me, aka Kirk Cousins, staying. But uh, no, I'm a. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of Kirk and I, I just, I, I probably an overly Kirk. I'm probably an over Kirk supporter. Um, but I, I, cause I've liked him for 10 years since he's been at Michigan state. But if you do look at, especially just, just at this season, um, you look at, he did everything that he could do to keep us in games. And a lot of the times when we did lose games, it had nothing to do with any of his play. You know, I mean, look at the Bengals or the Arizona game puts us right in a position to win and something else gets messed up, you know, whether it's the terrible play calling or they miss a kick. Our offense was super basic with a very subpar average to below average offensive line. And Kirk still put up great numbers and he still kept us in games. I, I am for, I'm totally in the belief that, yeah, you're going to crazy is probably going to look at the analytics, but I'm also on board with just letting him stay trying to come in maybe with a better, more dynamic offense and see how he plays into that. Cause he's been in a, very basic, you know, run up the middle play action, nothing really special kind of offense. The last four years he's been here with the Vikings under Mike Zimmer, bringing a, bringing a, a new GM, like Quasi Dofamensa, and then bringing in a, maybe a more of an offensive minded coach or more offensive minded coordinator because Clint Kubiak, you tried doing something more of a screen, his screen pass, his brain would explode. He didn't know how to get something. So it was very basic offense. So I think if, they, I think Quizzy's going to look at it and look at this analytics and look at we have a guy here that can win. Let's try it with maybe a more dynamic offense, different from what we've seen with Mike Zimmer that was more old school, more defensive base. He focused obviously more on defense. Try something different, see how he works in that kind of offense. And if he builds up kind of an offensive line that we maybe saw in Cleveland, I know he get, is people are saying, oh, he didn't really build up that offensive line, but I mean, he still had a you know part of it the last you know, year or two. Um, I think that they're going to see a quarterback that can probably work very well in, in, a, in a system that, that he wants. Yeah, I saw a uh, somebody on Vikings Twitter today was using one of my patented lines that he's, you know, the guy throws 33 touchdowns and seven picks, and that's not good enough for us. And the response was, there's more to that, more to football than just doing that. And I'm like, no, there's really not. It's about 90% throwing touchdowns and not throwing picks. Uh, I don't know what else magically that you want him to do. And it's like when you witness the comebacks that he orchestrates, people do not acknowledge those and they file them in a cabinet. They're never going to look at again. But when he, he, fumbles it or struggles down the stretch like is bound to happen for a guy like him who is good but not elite 
uh, than those are exalted to high heavens. I'll never understand the divide. So basically when it boils down to quarterback in the NFL, it's about touchdowns and not having turnovers. Uh, so I had to take a quick issue with that. Adam, I, I, I think I think I know your answer on this, that you're you're firmly in the camp that if it's time to move on based on what Quasi thinks, let's do it. But uh, do you think it's as open and shut as that? Um, not necessarily. I think there's a lot of things, especially with the Kirk Cousins thing, you know, obviously, yes, right now is cap hit as, you know, the gentleman over at a certain, you know, somewhat popular uh, radio show or show like to say, oh, it's 45 million cap hit is, uh, you know, is a, we can't have it. It's not going to be that whether that's paying something for him to play for another team, part of his salary, or we extend him, get that number down to around, you know, $25 million. That's what it's going to be at. We are not going to be paying Kirk cousins, $45 million in 2022. Now, in terms of like the analytics, I saw a couple of people saying, Oh, now that Quasi's coming, we know he's going to see that Kirk cousins ain't the guy he's going to get rid of him. Um, those are the, the simple-minded people that I see, I'm like, you do realize analytics backs Kirk Cousins, right? There, I saw something that came up today where it was Kirk's stats in his last 25 games, you know, roughly, you know, two seasons worth. And, you know, passing yards per game, he ranks sixth in the NFL. Passing touchdowns, fourth. Interception number tied for fifth. Passer rating second in the NFL, I believe behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, his win-loss is 22nd. So clearly analytics tells you this guy's really good at football and there's a lot of factors that go into it. There are 21 other starters that impact a game, numerous other rotational guys. So I, I expect to see him being worked in with like we, you know, an extension coming in. He's still our guy. He's, I think Kirk's only 33 years old, I, I want to say. And so I, I just, I, I don't know how you can look at his play and say, we can't win with that, especially when he's coming from somewhere that had Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I just, I have to believe that he believes we can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins because you can, we've seen it done before with lesser quarterbacks. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't see him being shipped off personally. I, I don't, it's I'm not ruling it out. He might come in and want to make the team his own, whether that's getting rid of veteran guys like Daniel Hunter, Delvin Cook, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, God forbid not. Where were the nucleus he talked about tonight? That's yeah, that and that something like that, though. Like I I just don't see that happening. I think there's certain fans that want that, want a full-on rebuild, start over, which I can see that working, I guess, but I don't think we're there. I don't, I'm not calling it a rebuild. I don't think we're, we're too talented otherwise, and we're not in dire straits about it. Like we don't have an aging quarterback. We have a guy that's technically still in his QB prime. And I just, I, I see him bringing in new ideas, whether that's channeling the magic that Stefanski had with Kirk, you know, in 2019, or I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, that's the optimist in me, but I'm always going to be in that camp. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm never going to choose for us to lose or to rebuild. I think, I think we're always on the cusp. That's my downfall, but yeah, you know, whatever. That's all I, that's all I can do. Me too. Uh, Katie. So you watched the AFC playoff game between the chiefs and the bills, and it was very vivid that Kirk cousins is not as good as Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Kirk cousins approaches those two about two games per year, maybe three. Did that make you believe at all? Like, you know what? Even if we keep Kirk for two years, we still better draft a rookie and try to emulate this thing. 
So, you know, I think I even saw you engage in a discussion about this on Twitter. Like, oh, is that all we got to do is draft the next Mahomes? Why didn't anybody tell us that before? Hopefully this crazy guy knows that. Um, it's not that easy to just draft the next guy. Um, I agree with everything everybody has said so far as far as Kirk's talent, what the analytics say. And, you know, I think it's also important to look at the other side of that. So let's say we decide to get rid of offload the contract and and get rid of Kirk. We're not going to find a better quarterback for cheaper with what's available. So we have to either have some grand plan um, on our offense or, be okay with taking a step back. And if we want to win right now, I think that's only feasible if our defense is top in the league and they're not. And I think if we really want to win next season, keep as much of what wasn't broken this year, which is the offense together and spend our time and money and energy on uh, plugging the holes in defense. And a lot of these, you know, Glorious stories about finding your quarterback finally, whether it's Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes or Terod Taylor and Josh Allen or Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. They are a transfer of power that goes from a competent quarterback that a lot of folks believe in and then turns out the other guy's better. And then, you know, Brady and Bledsoe. And so that can you can do that and you can still compete while the Packers might be rebuilding and then have the dude that Quazy thinks can take over the the mantle when Cousins is either getting too old or is completely stale. So I think there's a way there's a way to do both. Let's let's not act like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were sure things. I think every single one of us was I mean. They were not on QE one in their draft class, I bet. And like drafting quarterbacks is probably the hardest thing to do in all professional sports, mm-hmm. like drafting a single position. Like there's no such thing as a sure thing. What we're seeing in certain guys like Trevor Lawrence was the, you know, the prince that was promised. He had some rough patches. Granted, I think a lot of that system and we'll find out, you know, with Byron Leftwich most likely going there, all signs pointing to that and see what happens there. But like that being said, there's no such thing as sure things, especially with quarterbacks. And I, I just, you know, like everyone said here, especially like Katie, they don't grow on trees and Oh, it's so easy. Everyone should just do that. Yeah. Let, let's just all draft the next Patrick Mahomes. What I, it, it's crazy to me that it's, it's the armchair quarterback, the armchair GM that likes to say, Oh, it's not that hard. Just do that. I, I, that's what's crazy to me about the whole situation with seeing what we saw on Sunday night with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. There were projects. There were projects that worked out great. Look at every project that doesn't. I mean, there's so many more than that. Adam, you kind of touched on like the kind of the perfect two points on the Kirk Cousins and whatever bias side you're on, um, because it's whether it's the $45 million cap hit or the he's not as good as those guys. Well, yeah, like no one's saying that he is like, no, one. I'm not going to say that he's worth the $45 million. I'm not going to say he's in the same class as Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. What I am going to say is like you said, he's not going to be here at $45 million and he's not going to be those guys. Um, like, like Dustin said, other than a couple games a year, but for me, like as much as I would love to have him back, because yes, I don't want us to turn into a situation where we're like the jets or those teams that can never find anything right. Can never like, they're always picking in the top five because they're not any good. Like they're not like the Bengals where they bought them out one year, you know, get their quarterback and then rebound. So, uh, but for me, I'm open to the idea, like especially now with Quazy on board. So I'm open to whatever it is that he decides because one, yes, he's an analytics guy, but two, he had Kevin Stefanski who 
no one's closer to Kirk Cousins, um, at least in the last few years, than Kevin Stefanski. So you can't tell me he's either not going to pick his brain or hasn't already because when he was in Cleveland, I'm sure there was internal discussions about what to do with their quarterback situation going forward and whether that is Baker, whether that is going after Kirk. So they've probably already had a lot of these discussions behind the scenes because I'm sure if any general manager is doing their job, they have they're looking at every team regardless throughout the year um, to better their team in the future. So if he decides that we're going to trade Kirk, then he knows something that us as the fans do not, or he has an identity that he wants to find. If he keeps Kirk, then he has the insider information of, Hey, Stefanski was his quarterback coach, became his offensive coordinator before we got him as the head coach. Now I know I think Stefanski was hired before Quazy was there, but again, no one has better insight than that. Um, so I will trust his judgment on that. If they extend him, I will be happy if they decide to trade him again. I think there will be a reason. Um, and I don't think it's going to be on the coach or anyone else. It's going to be his decision. Um, and you know, fans are going to either have to like it, or we're going to have to listen to those clowns on that radio station you were talking about, um, which somehow I don't follow any of them, like will not. And, but yet I see more of them than I do it like dust in your tweets. And I, for life of me, I can't understand it. So, um, but anyways, um, yeah, so it's, I think the perfect example, like you said, it's, um, we fix the team, um, around it, get the best out of it so that we can maximize Kirk's potential. And for people who say, well, he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback or he's peaked. It's like, well, really you're a Vikings fan. Who is a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I, I know I've lived my entire life with having, you know, starting off with, from what I can remember with Brad or Warren moon, you know, getting him, you know, the hall of famer that he is. And then on into these old guys, never hitting on a rookie. Like we've between Culpepper and Bridgewater, the knees going out. Um, we've, I've never had a quarterback that I know year after year is going to be the starter. We finally have that he's in his prime, keep him. Let, let's see what happens in the next few years. Um, and you know, he's like, I'm, he's, I'm perfectly fine with him at quarterback and want to see it, you know, with everything else in place. So let's see what happens. Quazy uh, was in the proverbial room when Stefanski was hired. Quazy got there in 2019 or he, oh, I thought he, it was 2020 that he, uh, well, they both got there in 2020 then okay. because I, I thought that Quazy was departed San Francisco in 2019 and then slid on over to the Browns. I'm not sure that he took a year off. It depends on if you're going by seasons or off seasons. It's kind of tricky. Right. On the analysis that I'm talked about with Mahomes and Josh Allen, like, you know, they were crapshoots and they worked out marvelously. I like to point out that uh, Chris Sims, uh, the former quarterback, he was the dude that in his projections nailed both of those and he seems to get it right each year. And Coincidentally, he had Kellen Mond as the fourth best dude last draft. And you, you never know it based on what we saw this year because the guy wasn't allowed to breathe, you know, at Egan. You know, he couldn't talk. And so uh, it, it's interesting to note that at least Chris Sims can, can see the talent in those dudes. And perhaps, just maybe down the road, uh, Mond will get some sort of audition. Also, to your point on that, like uh, a lot of the times, too, maybe like everyone, all these guys coming in that are projected first round picks, obviously all have talent, but sometimes it just takes who's in charge and who's leading that talent to unlock all that potential. Cause remember Josh Rosen was in that Josh Allen draft class. And you know, he, again, I'm nine teams passed on me. I'm going to make them all pay like what that you're going to be on their practice squad every year that you play just like every single one of those teams. So, um, but who knows if he was in a situation where he had, you know, mm -hmm. McDermott and that team never know. running him. Yeah. And same with Mahomes. like these guys, 
like there's a reason why some of these guys are three-star talents coming out of high school and then like they develop certain players grow at certain stages but they need the right tools Andy Reid obviously unlocked that with McNabb in Philly and then now Patrick Mahomes um, in Kansas City so um, you know there's always the what ifs like if Ponder you know you know Ponder wasn't any good but who knows if he had someone other than was it Childress at the time or no, that was, Leslie. would have been uh, Leslie. So, um, yeah, I, it's, I, I believe it McShay, both ways. I think like McShay, I think it was Todd McShay came out with an article today where he said how, you know, Patrick Mahomes and quarterbacks like him have changed his mindset and how he evaluates quarterbacks mm-hmm. where he used to, he used to view, you know, his biggest knock on Mahomes was, Yes, he gets stellar production, but his mechanics are poor or they has, you know, inconsistencies in his mechanics. And that was a downgrade on him. And now, you know, he's seeing it be like, that's, you know, not necessarily a, a down anymore, a negative that could be a, you know, a tool for, you know, maybe creativity or, you know, it's just honing that a little better. And it's interesting to hear guys like McShay, who, who is a very good talent evaluator in, in the draft. And there's a reason he's is real well-respected and documented as he is, um, you know, and I, it just, people are admitting we got it wrong. And like, that's, I think what so many people can't do, which is cool when you see that, especially like a big name, like McShay. It's another example of people embracing change and adapting from either mistakes um, or shortcomings. And we even had Jordan Reed on the show last summer. And he talked about how Bryant O'Neill made him change the way he looked at offensive linemen because he, he projected O'Neill is way too raw. He might see an impact in year three or so and bada bing, Brian O'Neill gets thrust into action right away. And he got to a first pro bowl today. So yeah, these, even these, these brilliant football minds can acknowledge that the game is changing. I want we got about 20 minutes left. So I want to make sure we touch on this analytics stuff, the nuts and bolts of it. And then I want to talk about coaches um, because that's going to be the hot and heavy topic. So this one, this one, I'm really interested from you guys. So I'll start again with you, Jake. So we hear that Quazy is doing the analytics thing and we're all like, sweet, we're, we're getting with the times. But what do you think that means on a day-to-day basis? Like, what the hell is it? You know, like I said, like, it's it's kind of hard to gauge because, and like we were talking about with, it's different from like baseball, I feel like, you know, it's, 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 football is a different game. But I, I don't know exactly. I, I think it's going to be involve a lot of maybe looking in depth at like little de- in depth statistics of when a player performs well, almost or or looking at at the draft and looking at certain players of I, I don't know honestly. It's I, I just think it's going to involve a lot more numbers and percentages and and who's going to perform best with a a certain type of offense that you you run, I guess, based on where they're coming from in college, who they're playing under, under a certain coach, under a certain scheme, they're going to look at, uh, you know, all that stuff, I think. And I, I, that's, that's where I think they're going to come from. I don't know if it's going to necessarily involve, like, like I said, like jokingly earlier, like uh, if you play a a running back for a quarter (laughs) for this, this amount of time at a game, they're going to, they're going to play better. You're going to win the game. It's not like pitching in baseball, but I think it's going to more so it's going to more, I feel like more apply with the draft and the players they, they, they get and, and what, and how they're going to fit into the scheme and how they will run plays with that. Whoever their new next head coach is going to be with the Vikings. I think it's going to involve looking at, you know, just how well they're going to go well, they could adapt and what, what essentially maybe rate a percentage on how successful they could be with that system. Um, I think it's just going to be a lot more uh, 
you know, maybe a little more numbers focused, but I still think we're going to still see a little, you know, still traditional um, scouting and, and looking at players. Just, I think you're going to, you know, dice a little bit of numbers and percentages and, and, you know, how well a player is going to adapt into, uh, into the system. But analytics is kind of a broad term to me, you know, it's very, it's kind of vague. And with football, it's, it's very hard to gauge with baseball. You can talk about analytics, you know, very yeah. easily, but with football, I think it's a little tough, but it, it's going to be very interesting to see how he does apply the, 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 you know, the term analytics to his day to day and, and how he tries to build up the team. Adam, on Sundays, I think the analytics would mean aggression, um, bold play calling, risk-taking on fourth down, and then hopefully sound clock management because if you don't have that, then it's all for nil. What else do you think it is, particularly in the lead-up to a free agency or a draft cycle? Do you have any any theories? Yeah, so as Jake said, like I, I analytics is such a blanket statement, I think, that people just throw around, especially on Twitter. Um, people get labeled analytics guys and, you know, football guys, you know, it basically to me personally, I, I look at analytics is the opposite of, you know, I test where I, I think a lot of it that we saw, like for the life of me, we would keep seeing last year. Why? I don't know why Dakota Dozier and, you know, some of these guys this year, Oli Udo is getting all these starting reps because they are the only reason we get is, oh, they had a great week in practice. To me, that screams I test. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not performing well, their grades are terrible, but yet they keep having good weeks in practice. So let's just keep them in there. Like that, that's what I think of um, personally, I think in terms of with Quasi, because he has a research background, that's where he got his start with the Niners. He was part of their research team. And I view him as being very involved and wanting as many people's thoughts and opinions on whether that's players in the draft guys in free agency, people on their own team, whether that's who's doing what well, or like what, who's doing something great and what can someone work on and who can you plug in that fits what you're looking for in as a team as a whole. I view him meeting with all of those guys from top to bottom, just because he came up through that process. So I think it's a lot of that. I think that's, I don't view him shutting himself in his office and scouring data sheets and trying to find guys that like, Oh, he fits this percentile in his wingspan. You know, I don't, I don't view that. I think that's what a lot of people have an idea of analytics. Like they just sit in rooms with massive computer monitors all over the place. And they're just looking at all the numbers. No, I view him talking to every single person, a part of the staff as well as on the team where that's as little as research, as big as, you know, your OC or DCs um, as well as the owners. I think he's going to be very, very open with everyone that just based on what we've heard about Quasi so far, what the owners would have had to extract from him over the last two days, because it's self-evident based on coming from like the, you know, the Stanford system that built analytics and then going to Princeton as well. Like there would be no doubt, whatsoever that he knows the nut, the numbers and nuts and bolts of what he wants to do. But he, every, I think everybody on the panel here has probably had a manager or a manager's manager where you're explaining what you did in your job. And they're like, just that's Greek to me, you know, just give me, you know, they look at you and you're being super detailed showing off. And they're like, I don't know what any of that means, but it all sounds good. You've heard that said in your job. So I'm going to guess when he gets into his minutia of analytics, the Wolves are probably like, Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. But they have no idea really what he's talking about. That's how I perceive it. So he's going to have to have the, 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 
risk-taking leadership spots in the leadership in the front office. That when it's time to cut a guy, he says adios. Or he goes to be bold and make a trade for Chris Herndon, even though it didn't work out. You pulled the trigger. Like Leaders do that. And then if they get it wrong, they evaluate and say, I won't do that again. So he's going to have to learn that on the fly if he doesn't have it already, because I guess the knock against them is, is that, you know, he's a bookworm or a nerd. Uh, he's going to, he would have had to sold the Wilfs on the leadership part because he's going to have to have dozens and hundreds and thousands of difficult conversations with players and coaches. So that's what I'm looking to see is how he matures as a man and as a leader in the role. Katie on the, the, the analytics, the, what, what does that mean to you perhaps outside of uh, something you haven't heard already? Is that, looking for you know speed on draft day and utilizing that within the system um, because how on a draft day, how can you look at a bunch of guys combine stuff and be like, the analytics tell me to get him. What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, Crazy's going to know more about the analytics, especially on draft day than I am. Um, I think especially probably the reasons the Wilfs went more towards him is because he can use analytics to help build a culture around there. So where he is collaborative and he's talking to other people and he's not, you know, just necessarily looking at the numbers. And I think, you know, aside from drafting and game strategy week to week, I think it'll be interesting in a year from now to hear the players discuss how this next coming year went. Cause I think they'll see subtle differences in maybe how they train or how they're taking care of their bodies because an analytical mind really looks at the numbers and applies it to everything. It's not just draft day or, you know, game planning for next Sunday. I think there's going to be a lot of little subtle differences that add up to hopefully a big positive change. On Ron, on so we talk about the money ball, the analytics part of it. <clears throat> um, Brad Pitt in the movie infamously says, infamously says, uh, you know, what's blah 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 do? He gets on base. So I don't know if it's a matter of looking at uh, like a wide receiver in the the draft, like Jameis Williams, and then he says, you know what? What does he do, Rob? He gets yards. I don't know if it's going to be like that. What's your take? So for me, it's um, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. The term analytics for me in football doesn't necessarily mean. Like it's not like the Raiders of old school where Darius Hayward Bay, you blow him out of the combine, we're gonna draft you. Bruce Campbell, like you did numbers that offensive linemen don't do, we're gonna draft you. Doesn't mean just you know what the stopwatch says, that's what the it's gonna be. Raiders but arguably I, still do that too. They, yeah, you know, in a way <laughs> they do. So um, but so in a way, you could look at the last few years, how schematically the team has kind of not gotten, I'm not going to say analytics, but they've gone away with look at the offensive line. We're going to take guys who are athletic because that fits the zone blocking scheme that we do. Darisaw, Ezra Cleveland, um, even Bradbury, whether or not he's um, a, worthy of a starter or not. And then Brian O'Neill, those are all guys who can get out in space and use their athleticism. Now, some people might say, well, that's using the analytics to do that. But again, for me, it's ultimately using the data available to increase your percent chance to win. You know, again, going back to the two point conversion when you're down 14 um, to make it a six or eight point game that essentially gives you a better chance to win the game rather than going into overtime. And then you don't have to worry about um, you know, like, well, we, my defense couldn't stop them and our offense didn't get the ball. Like with Josh Allen, it's, you know, <laughs> yes, Josh Allen didn't touch the ball, but I'm pretty sure the defense gets paid money to stop the offense. So, um, but anyways, I think he, 
you know, Quasi is going to use all that information, again, being a smart guy, the economics background, um, use all the resources at his fingertips and just find ways to to maximize the ability to win a game and win a Super Bowl potentially. Um, so whether that's looking at the roster as constructed right now, look, we have Dalvin Cook, we have um, Kirk Cousins, we have a good receiving core. We need to find what best puts them in a situation to to succeed. And again, to Jake's take, it's not going to be, well, Adam Thielen can only be on the field on third down because that's when he excels. No, it's getting away from, Hey, we're going to run. It's third and six. We're going to run a three yard out to CJ ham because that's all I know. Or we're going to have three guys within four yards of each other in the end zone, because that's all I know. Um, they, I just see them putting the team in situations where it becomes situational football. And I know I've t- touched on this in the past where to me, the analytics, like say on second and one, you throw a deep pass every single time, like whether it works or not, I don't care. Because then if, if, unless you get sacked, if you can't get a yard on third down and then potentially go for it, like what's the point. But on second and one, every time the Vikings would run the ball on second and 10, if it was an incomplete pass on first, it was always a run being called, whether that was uh, from Kubiak or whether that was Zimmer, either way, like, I think this is where Quazy is going to put in, be like, look, we don't need to go by the book. We're not playing blackjack and you're hitting on, or you're staying on 13 when the dealer's showing a six or whatever. Um, we're going to look at it as, Hey, their left um, left end is the weakest part of their team. Brian O'Neill, our right tackle is the strongest part of our team. We're going to find a way to attack that and manipulate that throughout the game. So that's where I see it. Like the term analytics, again, to Jake's point, it's, it's not the same as it is in baseball where you can calculate launch angle and whatever, all of this um, and exit velocity. It's more so schematically what gives us in this given situation, what gives us the best chance to win. And, you know, if you have, uh, Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, you know, maybe having him throw the ball 40 times a game isn't the best chance to win, um, like what they were doing a little bit this year. So we'll see what happens. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on the coach that we bring in, but, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here shortly. Um, but either way, it's whatever we can do to maximize winning percentage, I'm all for it. I'm a numbers guy. I think <clears throat> the way that I look at it is really some of you touched on the economics, the money part of it, the money ball. <clears throat> the way that I see it is, Potentially, you know, if you look at Daniil Hunter, who's missed 79% of all football games since the start of last year, no fault of his own, bad luck, he got hurt, who's going to want at least $25 million per season because he's that terror, he's that chaotic, he causes that much terror when he's on the field. Now, somebody like Quasi might look at that and say $25 million per year, I could go sign Jadavian Clowney for $10 million a year, I could go draft, um, was it Chris Wabo or what's his last name? Ojabo. Ojabo. I can go draft David. him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. David, I could go draft him. And then I can have JV and Clowney. Boom. That is $11 million. And then I have $15 million left over to go spend on a linebacker like Donta Hightower, who's going to be a free agent. I think it's going to be the evaluation of the chubby contracts that, you know, we've come accustomed to thinking, well, yeah, Neil Hunter's worth $25 million. I think he'll have the perspective to say, my goodness, he is, but will he play? Because he hasn't the past two years. I think it'll be looking at the contracts that exist and maximizing the value in free agency and then the draft. I don't think it's quite on draft day, you know, he has a machine or a litmus test that's like, nope, he's not an analytics guy. I think it's using the dollars appropriately. And yes, that might that might involve getting rid of Cousins' contract because that's that's a huge sucker of the cap. Uh, the last topic I want to t- uh, touch on with the panel is the coach. 
because we got a little bit of clarity from Quazy on the nucleus part of the team. Uh, he didn't have to say that tonight when he says that they have a nucleus of players. That indicates to me there will be no full rebuild. There's going to be stuff that he can build upon. So I think it's apropos to talk about the coach in our remaining moments. Um, it's Jake, I wanted to ask you, have you noticed that in the past week that the obsession and fervor for an offensive-minded young head coach has died down. And now we're starting, for some reason, to embrace the Mecco Ryans or Raheem Morris because of their, their passion, their fire, <clears throat> their relative youth. It seems like now we're suddenly okay with a guy who might just win rather than getting in on the glitz of a handsome, offensive-minded young head coach. Do you see that twist? And then, um, as a segue, who would you like to see lead these Vikings in September? Yeah, so it's a bit surprising to me that I mean, I, I guess it's not because it is, it, you know, it is Vikings fans. But I mean, it it is strange to me that we are now gearing towards a, a defensive-minded coach when we just dealt with Mike Zimmer, a defensive-minded coach for seven years. Sure, we've had some great defenses to watch, but we've really gone away from the offensive side of the game, had a very one-dimensional offense, and it's been really frustrating to watch. So, I mean, I've, I've been, I'm still on board with trying to bring in an offensive-minded guy. Now, Raheem Morris actually strikes me as someone that I'd be fine with because he has experience on both sides of the ball, but a D'Amico Ryan's very, you know, great experience. He seems like he'd be a great head coach, but I just don't see what I just, I just want to, I don't want to go with a defensive guy. It's like people were, were still on the, you know, we're still upset with Mike Zimmer and obviously for being a defensive guy, he got fired. And now we're like, we're going back and, Oh, okay. Well, I could go with the D'Amico Ryans and, and stuff, but I just don't see that. I, I just don't, want to see that with the Vikings. I, I think we need, we need a more of an offensive minded coach because we've been so one dimensional has not been fun to watch, but still, you know, that's where you can bring in a, you know, a still a defensive coordinating mind because Mike Zimmer in the end, well, I think was just a glorified defensive coordinator holding on to the head coaching title. So, and that's not to say if we hired D'Amico Ryans or, or, you know, Raheem Morris, which I think I'd be actually be fine with. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that we wouldn't do well because we'd have a different culture. I think it, that would be involved in this team. Cause I think that was the biggest thing was culture, but I just, wouldn't want to see that. I, I would, I would like to go uh, Kevin O'Connell, you know, strikes me as someone that's fairly fascinating what he's done with, with bringing in Matt Stafford. Sure. We all know Matt Stafford's great, but he still came into a new team right away and he's done great. Fantastic. And then, and then Mike McDaniel, I think he'd, he'd be my, be my favorite because his, 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 uh, his zest and his pep and his attitude about everything is great. And, and for him to still try to scrap something up and get themselves into the NFC championship game, where I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is average quarterback at best. Um, certainly he has some shining moments. I think he's done a great job with that offense. And I guess I'd rather see an offensive minded guy. So I think, and I think Mike McDaniel to me is kind of a wild card. I don't know. I think D'Amico Ryan's to be honest with you and Raheem Morris are probably the top two guys, but I would really like to see Mike McDaniel, uh, become the head coach of the Vikings. He has that kind of younger energy um, mixed with a Quasio Dofa Mensa and maybe bringing in, uh, you know, a solid defensive coordinator. Oh, coordinator. I love to see him come in and, and lead the Vikings. Think about the net we would cast for new fans, just how cool and young we would be like, you know, for the, for the youngsters in grade school, or uh, middle school that would see that and be like, God, that guy was younger than my dad. This is awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, and to continue at that point, I mean, like that's what PJ Fleck has done with the Gophers. Mm -hmm. He's kind of brought in a new energy. You know, young people, I think, are 
coming into watching the University of Minnesota football team now. And and I think uh, Mike McDaniel would bring that a little bit to the Vikings, not a row the boat mentality, because I don't think that would translate into professional sports. But, yeah, bring a little more energy that can, you know, beyond Mike Zimmer, because Mike Zimmer, not a lot of energy. People still love the Vikings. People always love the Vikings. But bringing that extra energy might be what, you know, this team needs um, every every Sunday. So, and to yeah, your, I'd be all for it. To your point and credit, that it is time to do offense. We've done a decade of defense and didn't work the first time with Leslie, unless you consider an MVP season from Adrian successful for the enterprise. And then it worked for, let's say four seasons very well with Zimmer. Um, If you believe in the pendulum of sports, it's time. So whether that's Kevin O'Connell or Nathaniel Hackett, uh, that's the case to support an offensive coach because it's, it's got to switch to switch it up. We haven't won here with these defensive guys. Let's do it different. Uh, I'm going to interrupt. I'll say that because yeah. like, I think I have a good contrast kind of um, what you guys are talking about there where like I've said it now for a couple of weeks where, um, you know, again, the, the Wills have even said it this week, they're looking for their Mike Tomlin. And I use Mike Tomlin as the example because Tomlin is a defensive guy, but what I'm looking for in the next coach and I've actually, I was first offense. Now I'm kind of, more in the middle on that, which way we go, but I'm looking for a, just a leader of men, someone who's going to be able to get the best out of the guys and be able to lead them like a CEO. I don't care what side of the ball that's on, but most importantly, whatever side they are on, I want them to be the anti Zimmer in the sense that it doesn't need to be done my way. Like I'm a defensive guy, but I'm going to tell you how to run your offense. Like if there's a defensive guy, I'm going to let the offense kind of do their own work, like how Sean McDermott's running the bills. McDermott's the defensive guy with Frazier, but Dable has full control, it seems, of that offense. So um, that's why I actually do like D'Amico Ryans because I would love the idea of Ryans here, letting him lead the men um, overall, as well as the defense, and then bringing in McDaniel as the offensive coordinator, because to me, it's Shanahan will always be his offense as long as he's there. So McDaniel looks at it as, hey, I can go and have my own control over it. You can kind of get the two for one um, with that. But like I said, it's the Tomlin is, I I love the fact the Wolf said that um, because I do think that played a role in the hiring of Quazy and in who his um, connections are, whether that is Morris or whether that is Ryan's. Um, But I think, you know, ultimately it, it's not necessarily offense or defense. I think it's just who he's dealt with that makes the most sense. And I don't want us to get in the mode of, where we have been, where we're hiring a new offensive coordinator every single year. Um, like Kirk, <laughs> that goes back with Kirk all the way with his Washington God, yeah. days where it's a different guy every year. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of, if you guys remember Jason Campbell, when he came into the league, it was the same thing when he came out of Auburn, it was every year it was a deep, a different offensive coordinator that he had. He was never really set up to have sustained success. Um, he overcame a lot and Kirk has actually, you know, done that. And then, I'll still be able to do 4,000 yards, 30 plus touchdowns, you know, 10 less, 10 or less interceptions. So um, I want stability on the offensive side. And if that means getting an offensive mind, I'm all for it. But again, I trust kind of the direction that they're heading. Yeah. Kirk's kind of a coach maker. Like, you know, you come <laughs> in, you coordinate him and they're like, well, that, that, that un, unremarkable dad type can throw 30 touchdowns. Why don't you come aboard and run our thing? That's, that's what's happened 
every step of the way. And then on the, on the Tomlin thing, it's, it's cool that the Wilfs brought that up because it just validates our infatuation for the last 15 years. You know, we've always said that, why did we just keep this guy, son of a bitch? Um, we stuck with, you know, Childress, but uh, that's just my little side note. All right, uh, let's see, two or three minutes left. Adam, tell me, uh, head coach, who, who do you want it to be, good sir? Um, so I was always in the camp, uh, similar to, you know, what everyone's kind of saying, just for, just for spirit of change. Um, the pendulum has got to swing to offense. I think, you know, that's where the strength is. And also selfishly, I'm sick and tired, as Ron said, of a new play caller every year. You know, we, we, whether they get poached, whether they, that's when they leave, if you're North Turner, um, and, or they get fired if you're D Filippo, you know, I, I, I'm just tired of having to change that, you know, aspect of the game. And I think where it's something where, you know, defense is all reactionary, you know, you're playing the offense, you're, you're trying to anticipate what they're doing, play their tendencies, try to capitalize on them. That's what defense is about offense. It's scheme, you know, it's, it's doing what you do best, trying to, you know, best the defense. And, you know, like they always say, nothing can beat. There's no defense for a perfectly thrown football. I mean, a lot of that can be said about just offense in general. When an offense is humming, that's just the way the NFL is works now with how rules, you know, are favoring the offense so many times. It's always going to, that's just the way the NFL currently is set up. Now, that being said, I've kind of cooled down a little bit as long as, you know, like Ron said, I, I, First and foremost, need a leader of man, a leader of man. Like we need someone that can lead the team. But and I don't, I just want someone that's not going to meddle in offense. My reservation I have with D'Amico Ryan's personally is is it him or is it still Salah's defense that he's doing a great job with? That's the my question. You know, how long, you know, it's not it doesn't have the long resume of it that Salah had. Um Kevin O'Connell is interesting to me, but how much of that is McVay? Mike McDaniel, I think, is a very, very outside the box guy. And people always think, oh, he's some surfer bro. He's been in the NFL since 2005. So let's not think that he's some green, you know, guy that just getting his upstart. He has followed Shanahan That's around. Yeah, he, he has. <laughs> he's 38. He's not. Yeah, he's 38. Like he you know, exactly. <laughs> he just looks super young. And, yeah. you know, he needs to be credited. Yes, it's Shanahan's offense. But he's the one that made the switch to use Debo in the run game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the run game. He was the run game coordinator. It was him, you know, orchestrating that like, hey, this guy's really good. Let's just try, you know, getting the ball in his hands in the backfield. You know, and he's you listen to all of his things he does um, in the offseason where it's all these conferences where he's saying like, we're playing tendencies, you know, this using Garoppolo to turn and pitch the ball, even if it dive up the middle. Defenses are playing that's an outside run play, but they're running it right up the middle. He plays against defenses' tendencies. And like that's something really cool. He brings outside the box things, which he's really grown on me. I think that would be a really risk reward hire. But hey, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, all these guys, they were relatively risky picks too. They were the Wonderkins, you know. They were, you know, who knew if they were, you know, actually gonna work and they sure did, um, you know, play out, you know, playoffs with Matt LaFleur. We'll find out about that and how much of that is Aaron Rodgers. We'll find out hopefully very soon. Um, I, I, I'm i okay with maybe staying away from Nathaniel Hackett just because I think so much of that is Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. I, I personally don't know how much 
of an impact he'll have, you know, obviously they're very successful on offense. So sure that you want that, but personally, I want offense. I want youth. I want You've been fresh ideas. I don't want to, I don't want a Doug Peterson. I don't want someone that's <laughs> personally, I don't want a guy that's failed at a head coaching job to be our new head coach. Sorry. I know it's, that's just personally how I feel. Yes. It worked for Andy Reed and Bill Belichick, but they're Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. It's, <laughs> it's failed a lot more than it's succeeded. So give but me someone Adam, new. Um, but Adam, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> did. That, and like, you, I'm like, you take away care. that, you take away that year. What did he do after that? I mean, that's, exactly. that's my thing. It's like, I don't know. All they right. got fired for a reason. Katie, last word. You got Hackett's, Ryan's, Raheem Morris, Kevin O'Connell, and Mike McDaniels. Who are you picking? I'm picking me. I'm the fresh, risky choice. <laughs> I promise to hire an amazing OC and keep them throughout my tenure. Come in, Ted Lasso, this team, problem solved. That or Raheem Morris. That's your one? And you like his dual citizenship on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I, I agree where I wanted more offense. Um, given the candidates that are left, Raheem Morris, though, I think is the best. Um, okay. And because he has experience on both sides of the ball. Okay. And If I take myself out of the running. If you take yourself out of the And uh, he beat our ass. Yeah. At our low point of the 2020 season with no fans in attendance when the Vikings dropped to one and five in 2020. That was the, re- I think it was Raheem Morris's first game as head coach. He came in and just said, screw you guys. We were right. doomed. It was the interim. It was the interim jinx where they, they jump in. They always <laughs> win their first game. We were yeah. screwed. Back as, quarterback. Soon as, as soon as Dan Quinn was fired week prior, we're like, well, we lost. Yep. It was over. Yeah. I don't uh, mean yep. to, I don't mean to uh, interrupt and, and end the end of our, uh, you know, prolong the show but i will say one more candidate they should oh, be yeah. looking at fully is the on-site kicking coach specialist at the university of minnesota <laughs> coach mike hawk he should be getting a look at i heard he got an interview um i think bringing in some sort of uh specialist guru uh special teams guru maybe could switch things up we talk about offense or defense maybe we need a special teams guy leading the pack especially the one who deals with on-site kicks well, that's don't say special teams coach with the pack like that. I think will uh, <laughs> ruffle some feathers on the other side of the border there. So. <laughs> all right, guys, I appreciate all of you coming in on a McKinney list and a Sally list show. Um, we'll wait a head coaching hire that may or may not happen before our next show. Um, but again, we appreciate it and check out 10 K takes third and forever. That's uh, he and that Packer fans show. And then plug <laughs> you plug yours real quick. Uh, it's Jake, great because he's really sad. It's it's great right now. You really <laughs> want to tune in. We just recorded this week. Oh man, it was awesome. And it's gonna. I'm just gonna keep bringing it up, and I can because we both didn't win a Super Bowl this year. So yeah. who really won? We don't know. That's, that's what we really miss of not having Sal as well as her like insight. But Sally listened to the the whatever Green Bay fan line or whatever after, and I I, want, I was oh, hoping yeah. to hear some of the. The story we'll bring it up uh, next that, week. That, yeah, we'll Jake, love to get those takes. So. In addition to body doubling for cousins, where else? What else do we find your stuff on Twitter? Yeah, so just look us up at 10k takes on Twitter. Um, just search that on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well. Um, that's where you'll and of course, third and for Adam's podcast, third and forever is under 10,000 takes. I am, I of course, host the Minnesota Rundown, mm-hmm. um, which you can find on Spotify. We also have our other podcasts, it's a bit. Uh, wild takes which focuses on the minnesota wild um and then we brought in a couple more podcasts uh it's just a nickname featuring our two first our first oh, two yeah, female personalities and then, and the has-beens 
who are two former features, two former college hockey players. Um, both were on the 2015 uh, national championship winning team for the university Ooh. of North Dakota. So they have tons of stories, crazy stuff to bring on guests. <laughs> so uh, just, that's the has-beens, but just look up all that stuff on wherever you listen to your podcast. But first and foremost, they'll look us up at 10 K takes anywhere on any social you'll find us. Fantabulous. All right. That's all we got for the group. And we'll check with everybody, check in with everybody next Wednesday night. School Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.